brother. Praise the Lord, church. Um, let's take a moment to uh, commit the next 45 minutes to one hour into the hands of the Lord. So shall we pray? Father, once again, we surrender each and every one of us into your hands. Pray, Lord, that you will minister unto us, you will make us, you will mold us into the kinds of people you want us to be, Lord Father. Father God, I pray, Lord, that you will help us to understand that which you say to us, Lord Father, so that we will be able to do that you, which you want us to do, Lord Father. Father God, I pray, Lord, that your presence will be with each one of us this morning, this afternoon, Lord. We surrender this time into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I do hope you can hear me loud and clear. All right, that's good, that's fine. Well, let me start with uh, a story, a story of uh, magic pebbles. You see, one night there were some shepherds, a group of shepherds, and they were preparing to retire for the night when suddenly they were surrounded by a multitude of angels. The shepherds waited, awaiting for a powerful word. Finally, an angel spoke. And this is what the angel said. Gather as many pebbles as you can. Put them in your bags. If possible, fill your bags with the pebbles. Travel a day's journey. And tomorrow night, will find you both glad and sad. With that, the angels disappeared. And having disappeared, the shepherds were quite disappointed with what the angels said. And in fact, they were angry. They said, what kind of uh, instruction is this, that we just pick up pebbles? In fact, we have been asked to fill up our bags with uh, pebbles. Now, we had expected some great revelation, some universal truth that would enable us to have great name and fame and wealth. But instead, we are just given a simple task, uh, a menial task, and it doesn't make any sense at all. And so they grumbled. However, the memory of their... Uh, the angelic uh, visit was still with them, and so they all picked up a few pebbles, two, three, four, uh, as a mark of you know, having done what the angels have asked them to do. And they put it into their bags, and they went to sleep. Next day, they, start, they continued their journey and went a day's journey. And uh, at, the, at night time, as they were again setting up camp, they suddenly remembered what the angels had told them. So they put their hands into, these, into their bags and they each picked up a diamond. The pebbles had turned into diamonds. And as the angels said, they were glad they had the diamonds but they were also sad, as the angel said, because they had not obeyed and filled their bags with pebbles. 
You see, when God gives us an instruction, it may or may not be to our liking. It may or may not be according to the great plans we have for ourselves. It may or may not be something we are prepared to obey. Now, just as uh, Brother Marcus was reading the promise of this week, I was thinking, this is what we all want. And I will read that promise again. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath. This is a statement that is often made. This is a statement that we often quote to our children when they go for examinations. But rarely do we quote the second part of that verse, which is the functional part of the verse. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and are careful to observe them. We want the diamonds, but we don't want to do what we have to do. Remember, please remember, that God sees the end from the beginning. He knows what is best for each of us. And in truth, if you go through the scriptures, the only thing that God has persistently asked of you and me is obedience. He's not asked for anything else. There are different things he has said, do this for a moment, do this, but they're all anchored on obedience. And that's what God wants from us. God is not interested in sacrifice. God is not interested in our offerings. God is not interested in the great messages we preach. God is not interested in the great songs we sing unless we have anchored it to a personal obedience. Because that's what God said. Just trust him. The gist of my message today is simply this. Just trust him and do what he says. It might not be liking to your liking or to my liking, but just trust him. Because if we do that, your tomorrows will be full of blessings because you chose to obey him today. Now with that preamble, can we open our Bibles to Luke chapter 6, verse 46? Luke 6, verse 46, where Jesus says, But why do you call me Lord, Lord? Why do you call me Lord, Lord? and not do the things which I say. Turn also with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, and we will read verses 24 to 27. 
and please keep your Bibles open at that passage. I shall read it from the New King James Version. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and bet on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and bet on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Very well-known passage of scripture, very often quoted, very often read. The passage is about two builders, one who chooses to obey God and the other who chooses to disobey God. Therefore, the title of today's message is a tale of two builders. Last time it was a tale of two viruses. This time it's a tale of two builders. The default question that comes is this, what kind of a builder am I? And we honestly have to look at ourselves and give an answer. And am I, am I an obedient builder? Or am I a disobedient builder? Am I an obedient builder? Or am I a disobedient builder? Now please remember one thing as you try to answer that question. And I want each of us to answer that question. You don't need to vocalize it, but just answer it. But remember this thing, please. The standards and the criteria you have to use to measure yourself are the standards laid down by Jesus Christ. They should not be based on some wishy-washy, flexible standards that you and I lay for ourselves. How do you measure yourself? There should be a high standard. There should be a constant standard. There should be a universal standard. There should be a divine standard. And that standard is laid for us by Jesus Christ. So what kind of a builder are you? Are you the obedient builder? Is that how Jesus Christ is going to look at you? Or are you a disobedient builder? Is that the verdict Jesus Christ is going to lay on you? Now Matthew 7, 24 to 27 is the final part of Jesus' longest discourse to his disciples and the people. And this discourse is often referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. It begins in chapter 5, goes on through chapter 6, goes into chapter 7, and these are the terminal verses. And in these three chapters, Jesus actually gives us a series of instructions that we are expected to listen to, to understand, to obey, 
and to practice. Now these instructions are not for theoretical knowledge, but they are for practical application on a day-to-day -day basis. Today's teaching is uh, part one of a series on the Sermon on the Mount that I will be taking over the next couple of months. And so this is part one. So let's move on. A tale of two builders, verse by verse. And let's begin at verse 24. Verse 24, number one. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Let me repeat it. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Whenever we have a therefore at the start of a sentence or a passage, we have to see what has gone on before. That is, what is that therefore, therefore? What is its context? Now in this scenario, the context verse is actually verse 21 of the same chapter, chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of, the fa of my Father in heaven. The key phrase in this context verse is he who does. He who does the will of my Father in heaven. And the same contextual verse is again taken in Luke 6, 46, which we already read, where Jesus says, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? And that's the question for us today. Why do we call Jesus Christ as Lord, Lord, and not do the things which he says? Those are the context references, and the context word is do. Not here. It's do. To paraphrase that context, if you are hearing the word of God, and doing what the Lord is telling you to do, you shall enter the kingdom of heaven. I don't think it can be made any more plain than that. But if you are hearing the word of God and not doing what the Lord is telling you to do, you are lost. Period. No ifs, no buts. I don't know if this was the message you wanted me to hear today. You wanted me to speak today. But this is what God asked me to speak. 
You see, God the Father himself has already instructed you and me to listen to every word that the Lord Jesus Christ says to us today. In Matthew chapter 17, verse 5, God the Father says, this is at the transfiguration. He ends that verse. Verse 5 ends this way. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. Now, a couple of months back, I had a, a message where I spoke about uh, hear and listen. And I said that in the Greek version, the word often used is listen. Because listen means to hear, to understand, to obey, to do, to perform. For some reason, the KJV and the NKJV, they use the word hear him. But if you have an NIV or an NLT or a New American Standard Version Bible, or if you are looking to the original Greek manuscript, God says, listen to him. Listen to Jesus Christ. He didn't say listen to Moses. He didn't say listen to Elijah. He didn't say listen to X, Y, or Z. He said, listen to him. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And Jesus says, those who hear my words and do it, I will liken to a wise man. So God, the Father himself has told us, listen to Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is telling us, if there's anyone who will hear my word and do it, in other words, if anyone will listen to me, I will liken him to a wise man. The author of the book of Hebrews emphasizes this point in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. That today, God speaks to us through his son. And this is the verse. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things through whom also he made the words. So again, it's quite clear that the author of the book of Hebrews tells us that in these last days, God has spoken to us through his son. And so we are to listen to the son. And so when Jesus says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, it simply means that you and I must hear the words of Jesus Christ, understand them, obey them, and do them. The instruction is simple. The instruction is straightforward. The instruction is not confusing. Unfortunately, that is the problem. It is a simple statement, but we have tended to complicate it. Evangelist Wesley Simmons says this, we are ready to say yes to the man, but no to his plan. We are ready to say yes to the man, 
but no to his plan. Brothers and sisters, if you and I are believers, if you and I are the church of Christ, then you and I are obligated to obey his word. It's mandatory. It is mandatory that we obey his plan. Whether you like that command or not is immaterial. You see, as a believer, you are a soldier in the army of God. And as any soldier in any army knows, when the command comes from the highest authority, you do it. You don't question it. It is not for me to ask or to question. It is for me to do and die. That's what soldiers have said. In Romans chapter 3, sorry, Romans chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, Paul writes this. For as many as have sinned without law will also perish without law. And as many as have sinned in the law will be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God, but the doers of the law will be justified. Now this puts a big question mark on you, on me, on you and me. If you and I are just hearers of the word of God, if you and I are just hearers of the law, we are not justified in the sight of God. We need to be doers of the law to be justified. In other words, failing to obey the word of God brings judgment upon us. And so you and I as believers are obligated to obey his word, his law. There is no alternative. There is no option. There is no plan B. And so if you hear the voice of the Lord, listen to it and do it. And you are called a wise man. Now that is nice, isn't it? To be called a wise man. The wise man is not just one who listens to and obeys the word of God. He is the one who builds his life and his house on the rock. Because the verse itself states that you are called, you are likened to a wise man who built his house on the rock. So if you are that wise man, you build your life and you build your house on the rock. Now if we go to Luke chapter 6 verse 48, it says this, He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream bet vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. A wise man digs deep into the ground till he reaches solid rock. If any of you 
are building a house and you have a plan and you get the people to, to build the house, the first thing they will do is lay the foundation and they will dig deep till they get to solid rock. They are not going to build on the superficial sand. They are going to dig deep. We know this in day-to-day -day living. Why don't we do it? Why don't we understand it from the scriptural perspective also? Now let me close verse 24 by referencing it to Luke 11 verse 28. Jesus said, more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Now, I have just put across multiple verses to cross-reference Matthew 7, 24. Just to let you know the importance that Jesus Christ has placed on hearing the word and doing the word. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. That means and do it. The problem, unfortunately for many of us, is that we believe what the world says. And the world says it is impossible to completely keep the word of God in today's world. That's what the world says. But I'm sorry, the Bible tells us to keep the word of God. So if God is telling us, if in the scriptures we are reading that the, that the verse, words mentioned is keep the word of God, do the word of God, that means you and I have the ability to do the word of God. God does not ask us to do something that we cannot do. It doesn't matter what the world thinks because the world's standards are entirely different. And so your key thought as I end this verse is this. The wisdom of man says, I can't do it. But for us, it is the inspired word of God that says, I must do it. Take away that phrase, I can't do it from your mind. Replace it with, I must do it. Why must I do it? Because the inspired word of God says so. Because God, my father, says so. Just a few minutes back, Sam prayed for fathers. And he started off by thanking God for being the father to all of us. And that's the father who's now telling us, you can do it. You can do it. I can do it. I must do it. You must do it. Whose word are you going to obey today? The word of man or the word of God. Number two is verse 25. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and bet on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock.
To start with, please notice carefully that this house and this builder were tested severely. But the house and the builder stood firm. The house did not fall. It was founded and anchored on the rock. What we need to remember in addition to that point is simply the point that nowhere in the Bible does it say that we can enter into the kingdom of heaven like a piece of cake. We can't waltz into the kingdom of heaven. We can't dance our way into the kingdom of heaven. We are never told that as wise builders, you can just enter heaven with a hop, skip and a jump. In fact, we are told the opposite. And what are we told? Turn with me to Acts chapter 14, verses 21 and 22. Acts chapter 14, verses 21 and 22. And when they, that is Paul and his co-workers, had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. We must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. In James chapter 1 verse 12, we are told why we should learn to endure temptation. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Endure, persevere, obey the Lord. Your reward is a crown of life. Now when God says that this is promised for those who love him, we know that love is sacrificial. Go to the chapter on love. We know that love gives. We know that love does. We know that love completely surrenders. So if we love him, if we love Jesus Christ, we've got to do everything that he asks us to do. You see, it is, it is implicit in that verse that you will receive the crown of life which God himself has promised you because you love him and because you love him you do what he says you obey him but you endure and you persevere and you will get a crown of life there may be tribulations there may be trials but that's just part of life and we have already been told that that's what's going to happen. Life is not a bed of roses. In fact, I don't mind even if it's a bed of roses, but please remember, the rose plant has got thorns and they do prick and they're quite painful. So there are trials and tribulations when you're going and collecting roses from a rose plant. Now, long before Paul and James told us to endure and long before Jesus instructed us to build on the rock King David had already written about it 
in Psalms chapter 62 verses 1 and 2 he says truly my soul silently waits for God from him comes my salvation he only is my rock and my salvation he is my defense I shall not be greatly moved few verses later verse 6 David adds he only is my rock and my salvation he is my defense I shall not be moved the tribulations shall not move me because I am anchored on the rock my life is founded on the rock my salvation is in the rock he writes about this in Psalm 16 verse 8 also I have set the Lord before me because he is at my right hand I shall not be moved you see once again I'm just showing you in different places of scripture that you've got to be founded on the rock because that's when you will not bend to every wind of doctrine that's not you will not fall prey to every unholy message that keeps coming around and in today's world alternate facts rubbish has become the standards on which we base our lives I was just thinking you know 30 40 years back we have had suffering we have had diseases we have had killer diseases hundreds of years back we have had killer diseases but we never had conspiracy theories because we never knew about them we never heard one man's opinion which was then broadcast as if that was the holy truth and the holy grail I was telling my wife the other day professionally I'm a pathologist that means I deal with lab work I deal with viruses it's part of my job so academically I can put myself on a YouTube channel and say whatever I want about this virus and because I'm called a pathologist it can spread and say oh a pathologist said this so he must be right but I can just talk out of the top of my head whatever I feel like saying without fact when it comes to our scriptural life our spiritual life our daily living let us please anchor ourselves to the rock let us anchor ourselves and put ourselves on that rock so our foundation is strong you and I shall not be moved are you in any state of tribulation or suffering or being tempted right now how do you how are you going to endure it my answer is straightforward and that is again our key thought dig deep into the Word of God build yourself on the sure foundation of Jesus Christ anchor yourself to the rock for there is no other way point number three which is verse 26 but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man 
who built his house on the sand with everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be a foolish man will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand please do not forget two things the person in verse 24 and the person in verse 26 are both builders the person in verse 24 and the person in verse 26 both heard the same sayings of Jesus Christ. The difference is in the response. One obeyed, one disobeyed. Now in this verse, we have a builder who hears the word of God, does not do them. In reality, he is a superficial hearer. Now I will take you to another verse, a set of verses which you already have on the screen. Matthew chapter 13 verses 19 to 22. It's taken from the parable of the sower. This is the explanation, explanatory part which Jesus Christ gives to his disciples. Verse 19 onwards. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received the seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed in st on stony places, this is he who hears the word of God and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who receives the seed amongst the thorns is he who heard the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. Now in this parable, there is a fourth person also who, who takes, hears the word and he, he has deep roots and the word uh, embeds itself into those roots and in due season bears fruit. Okay. So what do we get out of it? This is what Jesus Christ is saying. This is not any of the other writers of the Gospels who are saying this. It's not about uh, what other people are saying. Jesus Christ himself is saying that three out of four people or 75% of people who hear the word of God do not obey it or cannot obey it for one reason or the other. They are ready with their reasons and excuses. But the bottom line is simple. They choose to disobey. They choose to not do the word of God. Can you, can you imagine that? And I was just thinking as I was writing this. Maybe about 75% of those of you who are hearing me today are not going to listen. Three out of four of you are not going to listen. Why? Because you have your own reasons, you have your own excuses. But you don't have to listen to me. It's not my word, it's the word of God. So you make your choice whether you want to listen to the word of God or not. You see, Jesus Christ did not mince words. To state a fact, he does not use politically correct statements. Jesus says that 
anyone who chooses to not do the word of God is like a foolish man. Jesus Christ did not call him or her a busy in his business person or an overwhelmed housewife or a stressed out executor and therefore though they were excuses. No, he simply labels him a fool. And we know from our cell studies that when somebody is called a fool, that actually means one who does not know God. And that's why Jesus Christ says, why do you say, Lord, Lord, when you're not doing what I'm asking you to do? That means you don't know me. You are voicing the words, but there is nothing in you that relates me with you. That's what you get when you dig deep into the word of God. That's it. One who chooses not to obey, not to do the instruction, is a fool. There is no alternative word. Now, I'm not calling anyone a fool. Okay, these are the words of Jesus Christ. Now, it is one thing to be simply called a fool, but it doesn't end there. There is a punishment for those who do not obey. And we need to know that. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 6 to 8. Paul writes this. Since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you, and to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is going to take vengeance on those who do not know God. That we all know. But do we know, do we, do we understand the second part? That God is also going to take vengeance on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, with the privilege of hearing comes the responsibility of obeying. James chapter 1 verse 22. James adds a curveball to this. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So what's James telling us here? He said, if you are not a doer of the world, you are actually deceiving yourself in addition to disobeying God. It's not just about disobedience. You are deceiving yourself. You are disobeying God and you are deceiving yourself. Now for a moment, we won't take the reference here, but for a moment, let me take you back to that well-known scene in Genesis chapter 3. Satan having a conversation with Eve. Now what did Satan do to Eve? He deceived her. That's all he did. That's what he did. He deceived her. 
And we know from John 8:44 that Satan or the devil is described as a liar, a father of lies, he's a deceiver. So as I end this verse, the key thought is this, be careful, be warned. While you deceive yourself, you are activating the spirit of deception, which is demonic and unholy. Is disobedience worth it? Ask yourself that question. Is it worth it? Is disobedience worth it? And so we come to the last verse for this afternoon, which is verse 27. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and bet on that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. Once again, remember, the storms that both builders faced was the same. The trials and temptations are the same. The sufferings are the same. But the difference lies in where the builders were anchored. Was it on the rock or was it on the sand? That's the difference. You see, both of them faced the same rains, the floods, the winds, everything. But the difference is where were they founded upon? Where had they built their lives on? Was it on the rock or was it in the sand? You see, today there are many people building in the sand. Today there are many churches building in the sand. Today there are so-called Christian nations that are building in the sand. And today we have been warned. The rain will descend, the floods will come, the winds will blow and the winds will beat. A life or a house or a church or a nation that is not built on the word of God is doomed. It is bound to fall. David in Psalm 127, 1a says this, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Now when you read that verse, it does not mean that God is going to come down from heaven and sit and build up your house, put the building blocks together. God gives you and me the ability. He gives you the instructions. He tells us what we need to do. So if we don't take our cues, if we don't take our instructions from the Lord to build our lives and our house, we labor in vain. And my question to you is simply this. Will you or will you not do the word of God? My final anchoring reference is taken from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 7 and 8. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 7 and 8. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. 
but to you but to those who are disobedient the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense they stumble being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed remember the story of the 10 virgins all 10 were called there was no partiality all 10 came five came prepared five were not prepared they also came with their best of clothing they also were able to dance and sing like the others but they were not prepared when the bridegroom came here too the two builders all of us are builders we are builders of lives we are builders of houses we build the church we build our nation all of us have been appointed to hear to listen to obey and do the word of god but not everyone does it in conclusion as i call on pastor francis my prayer is simply that the god of this age satan the devil will not blind your eyes satan wants you to build on the sand satan does not want you to build on the rock satan wants you to build your life on the standards laid down by the world but please the only standard we have on which we should build our life is that which is laid down by Jesus Christ the only way forward is by obedience and obedience to the word of Jesus Christ i do understand and i do recognize that this is a strange and weird season we are in right now but our thoughts should be simple and straightforward and these are our final key thoughts live a life of faith and wisdom not fear and foolishness and the only way to do that is to dig deep and build your house on the rock the rock of jesus christ believe in the man obey him and trust his plan church god bless you all pastor francis over to you